Our scripture reading today is from Isaiah chapter 43, 1 through 7. But now this is what the Lord says, He who created you, Jacob, he who formed you, Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by my name, you are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I give Egypt for your ransom, Cush and Seba in your stead. Since you are precious and honored in my sight, and because I love you, I will give people in exchange for you, nations in exchange for your life. Do not be afraid, for I am with you. I will bring your children from the east and gather you from the west. I will say to the north, give them up, and to the south, do not hold them back. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth. Everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. This is the word of the Lord. It's, uh, <clears throat> it's been a busy week in my house. Uh, on Sunday, I was installed. Some of you guys got to be there, so that was a really cool uh, moment for me. And then uh, Monday, Beth uh, started a new job <clears throat> at the high school. And then Wednesday, they went back to school. And then Thursday, Avery was sick from school. And then uh, Beth got sick, yes, uh, on Friday, or no, Saturday. So they're not here. And we're just moving right along. So some of you guys have probably had that same kind of week as we started back to school and the rhythm of, of life and, and all. Oh, and I meant, meant, forgot to mention my anniversary was on Mon, Monday? No, Tuesday. My anniversary was on Tuesday. So it always happens that way. Um, I used to be a teacher and never got to celebrate our anniversary because it was like, I'm an in-service, there's no time. And now that the roles have reversed and Beth is doing in-service. So um, anyway... But yeah, we picked the worst time ever uh, to get married because there's always so much happening on, a, on August 16th. We just never get to celebrate. So anyway, uh, maybe we'll do that when she's not sick soon. So, um, well, I'm still getting to know uh, you all, and you guys are still getting to know me. <clears throat> so to help us uh, know each other a little bit better, I want to find out if you are a detail-oriented person or a big-picture person. And so I've got a couple of slides, and we're just going to work through these a little bit to help us figure it out. And so um, I, I, we're going to go through them, and then I, I want you to tell me what, what type you are, but, we'll, but wait till the end. And so first, let's talk about uh, detail-oriented people. Okay, so these are just the pros kind of of a detail-oriented person. And so if, you may recognize some of these. Some of these go, oh, yeah, that's me. Uh, you have a really good memory. Um, you really... Uh, have an attention to detail. You like to ask lots of questions. You tend to be good problem solvers. And you're always prepared, right? Detail-oriented people are like almost always prepared. Okay, so let's see the, the cons of, of this type of person. The cons of a detail-oriented person, they can be easily overwhelmed. Easily overwhelmed. They can't multitask because they're so focused on getting that first problem done. They strive for, for 
for perfection. So they can't just leave it and move to the next thing, right? They can kind of get stuck. They're not good multitaskers. Okay, so let's talk about uh, big picture people. The pros of a big picture person. They're creative. They can be ambitious. They, they benefit from change, meaning uh, they like to have something different a lot. They are focused on the future. They tend to be really agreeable. They have lots of ideas. Okay, lots of ideas. Let's talk about the cons. Uh, okay, so the cons of a big picture person is they can be indecisive because they have so many ideas. They can, they can be indecisive, hard to come up with, with one uh, decision. They have toxic optimism, meaning it's going to be fine, right? I'm so focused on what's good that I, I, I almost will refuse to think about what could be bad or what could be going wrong. Uh, and they also tend to be um, disorganized. So, you've seen the list. Um, which, which type do you think you are? And, and by the way, I messed with the fonts and the formats of these slides just to mess with you detail-oriented people. <laughs> so, if, the, if that was driving you crazy, I can already tell you what you are. You're a detail-oriented person. If you have no idea what I'm talking about, you're with me, uh, in that you are a big picture person. So, um, let's see a show of hands. Who, who are my detail-oriented folks in here? Okay, you're going to hate me. All right. Um, who are the big picture people in here? All right, there's my, those are my folks. So, um, yeah, I, I can, I'm kind of a, a little bit of a blend, but I, I tend to be more of a big picture person, and, and I'm so glad that I have my wife around who can say, hey, mm, I don't think that's possible. I think that sounds like a problem. <laughs> don't think you're going to get all that done in a day. So I can be a little optimistic. Um, so I have good news uh, and bad news for this morning. If you're a detailed person, good news, you're going to like this portion of the story. If you're a big picture person, you're going to be thinking, can we please just get on with this? Because that's the, the part of the story we're in, okay? But so no matter what type you are, I, I, I want you to see this is, this is a, a really a powerful moment uh, in history, a, a powerful moment in the story. Um, and it's amazing how all the things have come together at, at this point. So, um, so we're going to see God's plan carried out, um, and, and, and we're looking for what God is doing. So let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for uh, the, the letting us come together to hear it. Father, would you use it for, for our benefit, for your glory? God, open our hearts and our minds to hear your word. Um, not, not any of my own wisdom, God, but, but what comes from you. Help us this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so we continue in our series in Ruth, and we are now to chapter 4. And so we're going to look at Ruth uh, chapter 4, starting in verse 1, and we're going to read through verse 12. Now Boaz had gone up to the gate and sat down there. And behold, the Redeemer, of whom Boaz had spoken, came by. So Boaz said, turn aside, friend, sit down here. And he turned aside and sat down. And he took ten men of the elders of the city and said, Sit down here. So they sat down. Then he said to the Redeemer, 
Naomi, who has come back from the country of Moab, is selling the parcel of land that belonged to our relative Elimelech. So I thought I would tell, it, tell you of it and say, buy it in the presence of those sitting here and in the presence of the elders of my people. If you will redeem it, redeem it. But if you will not, tell me that I may know, for there is no one besides you to redeem it, and I come after you. And he said, I will redeem it. Then Boaz says, the day, said, the day you buy the field from the hand of Naomi, you also acquire Ruth the Moabite, the widow of the dead, in order to perpetuate the name of the dead and his inheritance. Then the Redeemer said, I cannot redeem it for myself, lest I impair my own inheritance. Take my right of redemption yourself, for I cannot redeem it. Now this was the custom in former times of Israel concerning redeeming and exchanging. To confirm a transaction, the one drew off his sandal and gave it to the other, and this was the manner of attesting in Israel. So when the Redeemer said to Boaz, buy it for yourself, he drew off his sandal. Then Boaz said to the elders and all the people, you are witnesses, witnesses this day that I have bought from the hand of Naomi all that belonged to Elimelech and all that belonged to Kilion and Malon. Also Ruth the Moabite, the widow of Malon, I have bought to be my wife to perpetuate the name of the dead and his inheritance, that the name of the dead may not be cut off from among his brothers and from the gate of his native place. You are witnesses this day. Then all the people who were at the gate and the elders said, we are witnesses. May the Lord make the, wo the woman who is coming into your house like Rachel and Leah, who together built up the house of Israel. May you act worthily in Ephrathah and be renowned in Bethlehem. And may your house be like the house of Perez, who Tamar bore to Judah because of the offspring that the Lord will give you by this young woman. So here is where our person different personality types just got tested, right? Some of you enjoyed hearing about that process. The legal maneuvers, the strategies. The rest of you zoned out just a little bit, uh, especially once the guy takes his sandal off. Um, please know that, that this part of the story is, impo is important for cultural, uh, for practical reasons. And it is also important as we try to know more uh, about Christ. My hope this morning uh, is, is that, that, uh, um, that you detailed people will get all the understanding that you want about, about the legal processes of early Israel. And, and so we're going to spend a little bit of time on that. Um, but then we'll come back to the so what part of the story. So all of you can just, just hang with me. So, so remember last week, Boaz is, um, has promised Ruth, this, this widow, um, that he would make sure she got redeemed one way or the other. Remember, she, she, she kind of has this daring plan from her mother-in-law. She carries it out. And, and, and Boaz, in fact, says, hey, I'm kind of impressed at you, and I will make sure that you are taken care of. Um, and so we got this really good news, but we weren't sure how it was going to get taken care of. Um, um, and so he says, look, one way or the other, I'm going to make sure you're redeemed. And so the first way that that could have happened, remember he says, there's, there's actually a, a redeemer who's, who's closer in, in lineage to Elimelech, and so he kind of has the first choice. If he wants to redeem and, and do all of this, then, then, then so be it. But if he won't, right, then that's the second way. Boaz says, look, I promise you, I swear an oath, 
uh, I, will, I will redeem you. Um, and so we have to appreciate here that Boaz is a man of his word. The story looks like that he goes directly to the town gate early in the morning, right? First thing in the morning, there he goes. Uh, just like Naomi said, he seems to be kind of motivated to make sure that this gets done. Um, so you, you probably know this, but um, the, the city gate was a lot of things uh, back, back in those days. A lot of important things happened at the city gate. It was kind of like the town square, if you will. Um, and, and it also could serve the role as a courthouse. Uh, this is where deals were done. And, and um, he's, he's waiting for this redeemer um, in, in basically in the city gate, right, in the, in the, in the, the, the courthouse, he's, where the deal can get done. He's waiting for, to, to see him there, and lo and behold, he shows up. And Boab grabs him, so he says, hey, buddy, uh, we need to talk. In fact, he says, hey, and, and, and our, um, our, our Bible tells us, he uses this, this phrase that we translate as, hey, Mr. So-and-so, and Basically, the narrator is not giving his name to protect him from thousands of years of, oh, remember old so-and-so who made the, the really bad choice? We don't know who he is. They obviously knew his name, but in our, in our passage, it just says, hey, friend, or hey, buddy. It, it, mean, it was like, hey, uh, whatever his name was, and the author inserted Mr. So-and-so. Um, so Mr. So-and-so shows up, and he says, hey, come, come sit with me. I need to talk to you. So the guy sits down, and he says, wait one second, and he finds ten guys, ten elders of the city, important people, and he says, hey, y'all come over here, I need you to come sit down with us, uh, we're about to have this conversation. Um, these are people who are essentially going to be a jury, right, they're going to be able to deliberate the case uh, as it goes. And so there they are now in this little meeting, you can just kind of imagine, imagine it here. And, and Boaz tells the man, hey, somebody needs to buy Naomi's land, and, and you get the first, first choice at it. And, and so we have to stop here because there's, it, it's, it's some, there's some things we need to understand. And, and, and women typically weren't allowed to own land in this time. And so, so this has confused scholars for, for a lot of time to go, well, how does Naomi even have land to sell? What is going on here? Um, best guess is that we could just kind of say, look, there, it's a rarity of a situation, right, where this woman left her homeland with her husband, and, uh, and then both her sons died. It seems as though kind of they're making, there might be sort of this rare exception that she can't really do much with the land, but she still sort of like has the right to make a claim on it, but, but needs some help to get it done. We'll just kind of think of it that way. Um... um some, some think maybe Elimelech sold the land before he left, and, and Naomi still will now have a claim to get it back um, because of the, land, the, the, the rules of Israel were that the land would stay in the clan. And so if, she's, if, if Elimelech, Elimelech sold it for money, he's going to have the right at some point to, to buy it back because it was his to begin with. It's a little bit complicated. We're not going to delve too much into to legal rights. Naomi apparently has some sort of claim here. Um, So, we do have this concept in Israel of a redeemer, right? And a redeemer is a person who could buy the land 
back for them. There ha- it, was, it was always the case that, that that land could be bought back. If it was sold in extreme poverty or something, that there was the ability for that land to come back. And so, so God had made a rule to say, look, you can be a redeemer and buy that land back for them. Um, but it also meant that whoever redeemed or bought that land was supposed to marry Naomi, or at the very least, let her live in their house and make sure that she was provided for, okay? So um, you're, you're kind of getting a broad description of this, but basically it was understood. So when, when Boaz tells this redeemer, hey, you need to buy this land. You, it's time for you to redeem Naomi's land. It was understood that what that what meant was you have to marry Naomi too, or at least have her live in your home. The redeemer quickly agrees to this. He says, yes, I will redeem. Um, and you see, he was willing to take on this, this, this role because this new land would be a gain for him. Um, it was hard to acquire land in that time because of all the kind of the rules to, to, to be provided for families. You, it wasn't easy to, to, to come by land. And so, but in this redeemer role, he would get it for cheap. And it would go to his family forever because Naomi didn't have any offspring. So this is like a no-brainer for this guy, right? So, so Boaz says, hey, I need you, you need to, you know, redeem Naomi's land. And he's like, he's doing some math pretty quickly. And he goes, yeah, I can do that, right? I want to have this old lady live in my house. I don't really have to be married to her, right? She can just stay with me and I get all of her land. And he's probably got his own family. That will all get inherited by his kids and it will go into his family now, right? Because he redeemed it. It's now in his forever. So, He's like, sure, I can do that. But Boaz is now going to reveal his strategy because Boaz is smart. And so it will depend. There's, there's two different ca- camps of thought on this, and I'll tell you both of them. Um, but either way, Boaz was clever and decisive, okay? So the, so the first camp says that it happens this way. The, the Boaz says, hey, look, um, uh, the, the roles of, of, of Redeemer and Leveret are combined in this case. Right? And remember, leveret was that if a, a somebody died, uh, a man died, the brother was supposed to marry the widow, and they would produce a, a son, and that son would become the, the dead man's offspring. Right? That's what we call the role of the leveret. And um, so Boaz is maybe the first way he's saying, okay, those are combined here, right? So, so if you redeem this land— because Naomi has Ruth as a part of her family, you've got to take Ruth on as a wife and perform the duty of Leveret and, and, and um, produce an offspring for Elimelech. So, if that's true, um, then this, this possible redeemer now has to buy Naomi's land, um, but it's not going to be his because um, it will belong to the future child, right? So he's going, okay, so I'm going to marry... I have to take on Ruth. We're, we might have a kid, and it will now stay in the Limelech's line. So whenever that kid gets old enough, whenever this redeemer dies, that land is all going to go to this kid, and he might get some of his own land too because he's part of his offspring. So it gets a little confusing, but basically this is a lose situation, right? And so he's doing the math on this and going, wait, I've got to take on Ruth, and but that kid could really cause some problems for his for his for his family. Um, the, other, the other possibility is, is the way that it tr- should be translated is, is, is that Boaz says, hey, look, you've got to redeem this land, in, including marrying Naomi. Oh, and by the way, I'm going to um, take Ruth as my wife f- 
for, for the leveret role as a separate thing, and still he loses, right? Still the Redeemer loses because that leveret child will, will go back to Elimelech, and again, he'll then have a claim on the land, and he'll be able to tell this Redeemer guy, hey, by the way, I need my land back. It, it was mine all the, to begin with. So for the Redeemer, Ruth is a problem, right? Ruth is a problem. Any kids that she's going to have, they're a problem. Um, so he looks and he just says, look, that doesn't make any sense. I, I need to get out of this deal. M- most think the point of the story isn't to, to, like, to, to tell us how bad this Redeemer was, that he was sinful or whatever. Um, he just didn't go the extra mile. It, there was going to be a cost to it, and he could have gone the extra mile to say, look, I'm, I'm going to show kindness. I'm, I'm going to you know, provide this role because it's part, of my, it's part of my family. Yeah, I'll do it. But he, he decided not to go the extra mile. The cost was too high, okay? So the Redeemer is going to hand Boaz his sandal as a way of sealing the deal, saying, look, I'm foregoing my claim here. It's yours if you want it. Boaz takes, takes the sandal and immediately springs into his, his, his thorough, detail-oriented plan, okay? And so uh, he says, you are witnesses this day that I have bought the bought from the hand of Naomi all that belonged to Elimelech and all that belonged to Kilion and Malon. So he says, look, he's not even just talking about land now. He says, look, everything that was theirs, I'm buying. It's mine now. I'm taking it. Not taking it. He's buying it. He's redeeming it. And he says, also, the Ruth the Moabite, the widow of Malon, I have bought to be my wife, to perpetuate the net, name of the dead and his inheritance, that the name of the dead may not be cut off from among his brothers and from the gate of his native place. You are witnesses this day. Okay, so there's a ton that's happening here. I've got to go quickly through it. Basically, there's no written contracts in, this, in these days, right? It's all verbal, and it was required to be remembered by the witnesses. So he says, look, hey, everybody come here. Everybody who's in, that can hear my voice, I declare that I'm doing this. He's declared he's forfeited his right. We're all in agreement, right? You're witnesses. You're going to confirm it, yes? And they all say, yes. So that makes it official. Um, now, when he says, I'm going to buy Ruth, he's not ta- we're not talking about slavery. He's just meaning this is, what, this is the role of the Redeemer. He's going through that process. He's, he's taking the, the necessary actions. And so the witnesses agree, and the transaction is now final. It's done. And then there's this amazing blessing from the witnesses. They say, may the Lord make the, the woman who is coming into your house like Rachel and Leah who together built up, built up the house of Israel. May you act worthily in Ephrathah and be renowned in Bethlehem. And may your house be like the house of Perez, who Tamar bore to Judah, because of the offspring that the Lord will give you by this young woman. This is amazing. Okay, just quick explanation, amazing. They're praying for fertility, okay? They're praying for fertility, which which seems to have maybe, an, it may have been an issue for Ruth already, right? Why doesn't she have ch- children? She, she was married for 10 years already, didn't have kids. Was it his fault? We don't know, but she has no kids. So they're praying for fertility for her. And maybe it is for Boaz too. We don't know all of his story, okay? And there's a couple of different theories. I can't go into all of those. He may be a widow, um, but he doesn't have any kids that we can tell. They're talking about the two mothers of Israel, right? Rachel and Leah, the ones who gave birth to, to what we know as, as the, of the tribes of, of Israel. So, so 
a beautiful moment where Ruth is now an official member of Israel because they are saying, hey, may she be like these women, the founding women of Israel, right? And they're unknowingly prophetic in their prayers for Ruth. Um, and, and so we're, we're going to conclude that story next week um, and see that God is up to a whole lot more than what they knew what they were praying for, what anyone could have expected. But for now, I want you to just kind of think about Ruth. And so she's not here. She's not in this moment. She's waiting in her mother-in-law's house, for all we can tell. Waiting, hoping, helpless to do anything in the moment, right? She's made her play in chapter 3, and now she's just sitting back and waiting. And her redemption and her future are in the hands of somebody else. It's kind of a scary thought, right? It's out of her hands. And here is Boaz, right? Let's think of Boaz. Well, not the most romantic story that you and I can think of, right? It took, takes place in a field of grain and in a hay barn maybe. And it's still clear that Ruth is loved by Boaz, that Boaz loves her. He cares for her. He's promised. He's made an oath to take care of her no matter what. Right? And, and we would probably all, as we read this story, our gut is to say, Boaz is really hoping that the first guy turns it down. Right? He's going to honor the obligation and, and go through it, and, and, but he's really hoping that this guy says, no, I don't really want to. And we can tell by his strategy that that was his plan. Because right? he kind of laid the bomb on at the end. Oh, you said yes. Well, then, by the way, remember, right? he was hoping for Ruth. He wants her. A man is willing to sacrifice to redeem the one he loves. In, in, in other chapters, we have seen chance or maybe this invisible hand carry the action. But in chapter 4, it is Boaz. It is Boaz who takes the action, who is in charge. He is the one who is going to redeem out of love. That's beautiful. Here are uh, our reading from earlier from Isaiah. But now thus says the Lord, he, created you, he who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name, and you are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you, and through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned. The flame shall not consume you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I give Egypt as your ransom, Cush and Seba in exchange for you. Listen to this. Because you are precious in my eyes and honored and I love you. God loves you. It's, it's a hard phrase to say out loud. I want you to say it together, but we're going to make it personal. God loves me. Okay? So let's say it. One, two, three. God loves me. Say it again. God loves me. Scripture says that we are precious to him. And so as, as we read this story, I can't help but think of Jesus. Right? Just like Boaz, he is, he is sitting there ready to pay whatever cost, willing to sacrifice because of love, because he loves. Like Ruth, you and I can't redeem ourselves. We are sitting by helpless. But as Boaz promised Ruth, Jesus says to us, I will redeem you. I will redeem you. This, this morning, I hope your heart is burning. Burning because you realize that the God of the universe, 
loves you. We just read it. I didn't make it up. We just read it. The God of the universe loves you. You are precious to him, and he did the unthinkable. He paid the ultimate sacrifice to redeem those that he loves. Let's pray together. Father, it is hard for us to wrap our minds around what it means that you love us, the God of the universe. Tell us not to fear because you have redeemed us. You have called us by our names. We are yours. All of that you did because we are precious in your eyes, because you love us. Father, we see this beautiful love story of a man pay the cost because of love. Take care of the one he loves. Makes sure that she is taken care of. And we know all of that points to Jesus, what he is willing to do, what he was willing to do for us. God, may our hearts overflow with gratitude and worship because of who you are. Father, we live in a world that doesn't understand this kind of love. Only knows, knows transactional love of earning it kind of love. And that has nothing to do with Jesus. He loves us because we are precious in your eyes. God, help us share this kind of love. God, help the, the world know more of this love of Jesus. God, help us remember it in our days and all the things that you have given us to do. In our rejoicing and our suffering, God, may we remember this amazing type of love, the love of Jesus. Thank you. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.